Well, hey, Happy New Year to all our campuses or wherever you're watching all around the world. And I just want to stop and and celebrate with all of us together. You probably just heard from your local campus pastor, but your generosity, you know, at this year end went above and beyond. And, you know, it's it's really amazing because not only are we able to give $100,000 toward these 100 Afghan refugee families coming into town, but as you heard, we've, we've been able to bring Allianz on full-time to help mobilize us to continue serving the, the refugee community for, for decades to come. And you know, as I said in, in the video, if you didn't see it year in, we've been serving refugees for decades already. And I say that because at your local campus, when you're giving to your local campus, you're also continuing to support things like the Hope Medical Clinic that was started by doctors and nurses here at Gateway. You know, that like, like Allianz and mobilizing us to continue to serve, like John Monger and the Bhutanese Nepalese church, like continuing to help people come explore faith and find faith and get connected and grow and overcome addictions. I mean, so many things. And so I just want to say way to go here at year end. And I want to encourage us all on all the campuses this year, let's make 2022 the year that all our campuses become self-sustaining so we can keep doing these great things for decades to come. So way to go. And let me also just say, you know, it's a new year and there is new hope. And I want to ask you just a, a quick question. What are you hoping for in 2022? You know, 2021 left us a lot to hope for, right? <laughs> There's plenty of room. And, and, and the truth is we all have hopes because humans are hopers. I mean, we all need hope desperately. Hope is why we get married, right? Hope is why we have children. And hope is why we pay enormous amounts of money to send our kids off to college. <laughs> you know, hope, hope is why we invest in ab machines and self-help books. Hope is why we play the stock market. Hope is why we read the Bible. Hope is why we're here today. We all need hope, and hope is incredibly important. In fact, Proverbs 13 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because see, the human spirit can stand almost anything except hopelessness. There's a story of a, a retired school teacher who volunteered to teach young children at a large hospital. And one day the phone rang and she got her, her first assignment. Uh, and, and the teacher uh, kind of told her about this, this boy that uh, needed help in tutoring with nouns and, and adverbs. And, and so she goes to the hospital and she's prepared, uh, you know, to tutor this boy in nouns and adverbs. But as she walks into the boy's room, she realizes it's the burn unit. And she was not prepared for that. She wasn't prepared to, to witness the horrible look and, and smell in that unit. She, she wasn't prepared to see a young boy in so much pain. And as she walked into the room and realized that everything in her wanted to turn around and walk back out. But something in her told her, stay. And she walked in and she said, I'm the hospital teacher. Your school teacher asked me to go over nouns and, and adverbs with you. And then she began to teach the young boy. Well, the next morning, as she came to again tutor him, the nurse stopped her in the hallway and said, what did you do with that boy? And at first she was concerned. And then the nurse explained, no, we, we've been worried about him. 
His condition has been deteriorating daily. It's like he's completely given up hope. And whatever happened yesterday afterwards, his whole attitude changed. It's like he's fighting back. It's like he's responding to treatment suddenly. What did you do? Well, the nurse later questioned the little boy. And here's what he said. I figured I was doomed. I was going to die until I saw that teacher. When I saw that teacher, I realized they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? See, hope changes everything. Hope is powerful. We all need hope. You know, our, our neuroscientists tell us that they can actually show changes in brain chemistry when there's hope versus hopelessness. And what I want you to hear today is hope is your birthright as a child of God. In other words, if you've opened up your heart to Christ, if you have accepted his forgiveness and his leadership, hope is your birthright. And in this series, we're going to be looking at some of the things that we're hoping for, that all of us hope for more and more in this new year for deep, honest, trusting relationships. Who doesn't hope for that? Who doesn't hope for a greater peace? Who doesn't hope for deeper joy, more of a sense of of purpose? But what I want to show you is that if you have opened your heart to God, it's your birthright. It is actually your birthright to experience these spiritual qualities growing in your life. Today, we're going to camp out in a passage in Ephesians chapter 1, and it starts like this. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. And by the way, one of the things I love to do with Ephesians 1, go do it sometime, is replace all the plurals with singular, because that's true. In other words, praise be to God who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing, who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because you are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved you. And he chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And God decided in advance to adopt you into his own family by bringing you to himself through Jesus Christ. See, when you let Christ in, you give God permission. That's all God needs is permission. He needs permission because love doesn't force Love waits for permission. And then it says several things happen. He adopts you as his own. And not only that, he loves you and always has and sees you as blameless. Stop and think about that. Not because you've never done anything wrong, not because I've never done anything wrong, but because Jesus paid to wash the stain of all that away. And then it goes on and says, and not only that, he gives you an inheritance, a birthright. With all these spiritual benefits, with every spiritual blessing, it's there for the taking. Take as much as you need, God says. It's yours. Hope, joy, peace, love, purpose. They're there for the taking. And yet, most Christ followers don't know what is rightfully theirs and don't know how to live experiencing more of these spiritual blessings. Probably because we get the hope beaten out of us, right? And you know, it's true, whether 
whether you're a Christ follower or you're not sure what you believe, all of us get whacked by the circumstances of life. We feel the circumstances of life whittling away hope until we feel discouraged and then dismayed and finally hopeless. And some of you are probably here today or or watching online and you're somewhere into that slide down toward hopelessness. I mean, maybe you've had your hopes set for a long time on a lasting relationship. Year by year, that hope gets whittled away. Or maybe you've had marital hopes that have been you know, smashed like broken glass in an unexpected divorce. Maybe you've had business hopes or success hopes and yet things have not gone as planned and your hope is fading. Or maybe you've had hope for health and yet the heartache of disease has been eroding that hope. Maybe you've hoped things for your children, but as life unfolds, that that hope is going away. Maybe you've hoped for less political division in your family, and yet, you know, you experienced the opposite at Christmas. Maybe you've hoped that there would be more justice in the world, more equality, and yet you're not feeling that hope. Maybe you've thought finally life would get back to normal and then there are new variants. Or maybe even worse, you've hoped for things and you've actually succeeded in most of your goals and yet it hasn't paid off on what you would hope the payoff would be and now what? See, we all need hope and yet the circumstances of life often beat the hope out of us. And if that's you, here's what you need to hear. God gives something new. And we're going to be looking at all these ways that God says there is a birthright he gives his children. And it's a hope that is not circumstantial. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. There is new opportunity, new choices. You have everything you need to trade despair for hope. To trade worry for peace. To trade misery and sorrow for joy. It's there for the taking. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how. But today, I want to start with just an overview. You know, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, says this in 2 Peter 1. By God's divine power, by his divine power, he has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. And now think about this. This says, God has given you everything you need. Everything. What's included in everything? Everything. (laughs) Everything you need. Now, everything you need for what? for a godly life. You say, oh, well, that's not what I need or want. That sounds terrible. That sounds boring. Wait, rethink it with me. What does that mean, a godly life? It means God's life. That's what it means. You're sharing in God's life. God is the source of everything good. All love, perfect peace. God is overflowing joy enjoyment, pleasure, adventure, life. I mean, to put it in crass human terms, God is the happiest person alive. God is the party. 
Hell is not the party. God is the party. And that's where you want to be. And that's what it means to share in God's life, a godly life. Because see, nothing can rob life from God. Nothing can steal God's joy. Nothing can take away God's happiness. Nothing and no circumstance can cause God to panic or fear or worry. Nothing can diminish God's love. I mean, do you get it? That's what you get to share in. Peter says, by coming to know God, you have received all this. Past tense. It's already given. It's there for the taking. It's your birthright as an adopted child. You have everything you need to share in his divine life, his divine nature, which means your hope, your peace, your love, your joy, your purpose is not dependent on others. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's only dependent on you and God. Do you realize this? I mean, this gives great hope if you realize it. And Peter says, this is why God gave us the Bible. There are precious promises, Peter says, in the Bible. And these promises, these are like clues of how to get at the treasure that's already there for the taking. These are the promises, Peter says, that enable you to share his divine nature. Think about it like this. Um, True story, 2003, journeyman uh, baseball pitcher, Matt White, had just started playing for the Red Sox. And um, his, his great aunt, Josephine, was living on 50 acres of land in New Hampshire, but she ran out of money. She had no money and her health was deteriorating. So really, uh, as an act of mercy, Matt purchased her 50 acres of land for $50,000 so she had had the money to move into assisted living. Now, what Josephine didn't realize is she didn't need any money. She was actually living on a gold mine. When Matt bought the land, he decided to build a house, so he got a geological survey done to clear the land, and what they discovered was Goshen stone everywhere. It was this mica that is used as a building material. It's worth $100 a ton, and he had 24 million tons. Matt became the first first professional baseball billionaire in history, not because he was a great pitcher, (laughs) Not because of his skill, because of what he inherited when he bought that land. What was already there for the taking. Now God says he's given you, as his child, an inheritance, a birthright. It's yours for the taking. You have the right to share in God's divine nature. God's love, God's life and peace and joy. It doesn't depend on other people. It doesn't depend on Amazon delivering on time to your front door. It doesn't depend on anything. But like Josephine, we can largely live unaware of what God has promised us, and we can still live in in spiritual poverty, even though we're standing right on top of spiritual treasure. So how do we begin to mine the spiritual treasure that God has given us? Ephesians 1 goes on and says that God not only loved and adopted you when you gave him permission to come into your life, 
He's given you every spiritual blessing. It goes on to say, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. Okay, look at that. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. All right, notice, notice a few things here. When you believed, when you put your trust in Jesus, when you told God, you know, God, I want what Jesus did to count for me. I want your forgiveness. I want your guidance in my life. That was all God needed for a bunch of things to happen spiritually. First, God adopted you as his own, but second, God gave you his Holy Spirit. Now notice, it was when you believed. You don't need a second baptism. You don't need to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Spirit. It's when you believed. The Holy Spirit is in you, marking you as God's child. That's what Ephesians 1 says. And the Spirit, it says, is God's seal, like a stamp. You know, in, in Roman days, Caesar would mark Roman property with the seal of Rome, which said, this belongs to the emperor. You mess with this, you mess with the power of Rome. And so it's like God is sealing you. This is mine. This one belongs to me forever. Nothing and no one can take it away. And he says the Holy Spirit is a deposit, a down payment guaranteeing your inheritance. So that's why Ephesians 1 goes on and says, I keep asking that the, the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you would have spiritual eyes to see in order that you may know the hope, that you may know experientially the hope which he has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. All right, take a look at this. So one day it says, you will inherit the riches of God if you've opened your heart to Christ. What does that mean? Well, let me just give you a little glimpse. Think of all the things on earth you would love to inherit. Think of all the, the, the circumstantial things that, that people want. Riches, wealth, power, adventure, fun, pleasure, all that, okay? Now, all that is circumstantial. It can, it can come and go, and all that is passing away. It won't last because all of it is just a shadow of the real thing to come the lasting things of God that will truly satisfy. And that is exactly the hope you have. God has already promised that for you. It's the hope you have to look forward to. You will share in all God has, which is why Paul prays, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope that he's called you to. What difference would it make knowing the hope that is there for eternity, what difference will that make now? Well, it changes everything. If you really see, it changes the way you view the circumstances of life. It changes the way you go through the difficulties and trials of this life. See, because here's, here's the, the thing, friends. Evil is real in this world. Evil's real. And evil wants to torture you with lies of despair and do everything to rob you of, of all hope. I'll tell you a good 
just physical example is World War II and the Nazis did these horrendous experiments on, on prisoners in concentration camps. One of the experiments they did is they had prisoners move dirt from one side of the concentration camp to the other. It took days to do the big piles of dirt. And then when they were done, they had to move it all back right to where it came from. And when that was done, they had to move it back again and back again. And once the prisoners started to realize their, their work was meaningless and they lost hope that there was any meaning, what they found is the prisoners started dying from loss of hope faster than any other thing killed them in the concentration camp. We can't live with a loss of hope. But on the other hand, something else happened. Right near the end of the war, when the Allied forces has, had won, in, in one of the concentration camps, it reached the prisoners before it reached the guards that the Allied forces had won, that there was victory, they were going to be liberated. And suddenly, even though the circumstances didn't change, these prisoners had hope. There was a joy, there was a smile, there was a, a peace about even what they were still going through. Why? Because they knew this was a short-lived. There was a hope that transcended anything the guards could do in the short run. You have a hope that's eternal. God wants you to hold on to it. It's certain, it's guaranteed. Nothing else in this life is. And it's a hope far greater than anything you could hope for in this world. And the Holy Spirit is God's down payment. But the Holy Spirit is also the power by which you begin to mine these treasures of heaven right now. See, God doesn't want you to wait for heaven to have greater peace. It's your birthright right now. God doesn't want you to wait for heaven to have more of God's joy. It's your birthright right now. God doesn't want you to wait for heaven to have a, a depth of love that can come into all your relationships. God wants to give it to you more and more by his power right now. It's yours for the taking, but here's the key. It's not by your power. It's not by your power to change circumstances around you. It's not by your power to change others or to change yourself. It's by learning to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 goes on in verse 20. That power is the same as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that's invoked, not only in this present world, but also in the one to come. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is where the real struggle comes in. It's not by our power. It's by the power of God's spirit working in line with God's promises. And that's something that we have to access more and more day by day in order to experience more of these spiritual blessings. In other words, we can live sharing God's divine nature as we learn to walk in step with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, when people talk about uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what I think they're talking about, okay? There's, there's mystery to it, but the important thing to realize, it's not automatic, and evil wants to keep you from it. 
Evil wants to keep you from, from living in that reality. You know, Matt, Matt White really did have billions of dollars for the taking right under the land that he rightfully owned, but he wasn't wise in how he went about it. Unfortunately, Matt uh, got a lender and partnered with some people he shouldn't have trusted. And as a result, uh, the, the, the credit line went to 21% interest before he was able to get enough stone out of the quarry to pay his debt and he had to declare bankruptcy. He had to sell his land. Now he sold it for millions, not bad, <laughs> but it wasn't the billions that were rightfully his. Kind of a downer to a good story, I know, but an applicable warning for us. Because here's the deal. Many Christ followers are not wise about how to live in this evil world. God tells us he's given us his promises so we can share his joy. So that you can have a peace that transcends your circumstances. So that you can have a love even for your enemies. Friends, that's not natural. You can't do that by yourself. And here's the deal. When we keep partnering up, when we keep shouldering ourselves with people who are just trying to live by the way the world tries to get hope and wealth and fun and pleasure and, and good things, we get robbed of what God says is rightfully ours over and over and over again. So I don't have a simple answer for you today. What I have is a wise long-term plan. So you can start to learn how to live in God's power according to his promises. And we're going to go into more practical detail over the weeks to come. So don't miss these series. So we're going to talk about how you actually begin to live this out. But here's the long-term view of it. It's real simple. First, Find trusted spiritual community. You know, again, if Matt White had been wise in who he had partnered up with, he'd still be mining more and more of what was rightfully his. This is why we're always telling you here at Gateway, get connected with others. You know, get connected in a community group or in a life group or, or, or some kind of restore group or just start serving and, and meet some, some spiritual running partners because we all need support to grow. Think, think about it in, in an analogy. Let's say that one of your goals, uh, you decided in 2022 that you're gonna run your first marathon ever, okay? You're gonna run your first marathon. Now, to date, the farthest you've ever run is from your recliner to the bathroom New Year's Day, all right? That's the best you've done. How likely are you going to do on your own just deciding, I'm just going to go run a marathon now? Yeah, about as good odds as, as UT football winning the SEC conference in current form, right? Yeah, not going to happen. But what if you got in a running group? What if you started to get mentored by others who had run ahead of you? What if you had running partners who would train with you in a daily and weekly kind of way when, when you weren't motivated. That would work. And that's spiritual community. People spiritually running 
this race of faith in the same direction together. Encourage each other in faith, praying for each other, learning God's promises, understanding how we learn to tap into God's power for living. So I want to encourage you, if you're serious about living a new way, get connected in community. You know, we've, we've got life groups starting right now. We've got community groups starting, restore groups. If, if you're hurting, look at some of the things we're offering in classes starting right now. Watch this. You know, whatever you're going through, you don't have to go through it alone. We weren't meant to go through it alone. And whether it's a restore group or getting in a, a new community group, we've got lots of community groups starting. You don't have to have any prior knowledge of the Bible or anything spiritual. Just show up. Groups of 8 to 15 people just running the spiritual race together. You know, I've, I've had two guys that I meet with every other week and I've met with them for 15 years now, spiritual running partners. Before that, I was in a, in a pastor's small group like that because we all need this. So first, find spiritual community. Second, learn to trust God's promises. So if you want to look, grow in experiencing something new, two keys here. First, learn God's promises. Now, if you don't know God's promises, you're gonna get fooled by deceit and lies. You know, let me tell you, from my own experience, I've seen this true. You know, for years and years, I, I experienced incredible burden, lots of responsibility. And I always thought, this is what God wants for me. This is, this is following God, because I had the, all these I shoulds and I ought and I have to. And I really thought that burden was from God until I read Jesus' words and really started thinking about it. Where Jesus says in, in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are burdened and carry heavy loads, and I will give you rest because my burden is light. First, I had to learn that. And it took me a while to really not just know it here, but secondly, I had to trust it. So you have to learn God's promises, but then you have to actually trust in them. So for years, I knew that, but I didn't really trust it. I trusted what was just ingrained in me. So knowing is one thing, but trusting what God says is another. Peter says, these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature when you trust him. So get in a community group, get in some kind of restore or support group, then get in habits of daily reading Jesus' words. Start with Jesus' words. Read in, in the book of Matthew or, or the book of John and pay attention to the promises there and then start to ask yourself, am I really acting like I trust this is true or am I actually acting like I trust something else is true and why? And then third, walk by the power of God's spirit. You know, even though every believer has the Holy Spirit in them, dwelling in them, it doesn't mean that we automatically experience God's power for living or his divine nature, these spiritual blessings. 
We have to mine them. And it does take spiritual effort. But here's what you need to know. God's power and our effort don't work the way we normally would think. And let me explain quickly. We want power to feel powerful, right? That's what we mean. When we say, I, I want to feel power from God, we mean I want to feel powerful. But God's power doesn't work that way. Sorry. In fact, Paul, who um, asked God to heal him of this affliction and God didn't heal him, says this in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So God's power doesn't make you feel powerful, but rather when you feel weak, as you humbly seek to follow God, power of another kind produces fruit of another kind. Pay attention to that because this is how it works. The effort is not in you trying to change yourself. It's not in you trying to change your circumstances and trying to change people. Not even changing the things that you want to change. The effort is to just stay in step with God's spirit. That's why in Galatians 5, it says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing your sin, what your sinful nature craves, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life, love, joy, peace, etc. Now we're going to go more into this in the weeks to come, but notice it's actually very simple. The only effort you need to make is to make yourself willing daily. Let, keyword, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. That's it. That's what, that's, that's what it says. That's all you have to do. And as you daily walk more conscious of God, what is your will? Give me the power to do it and I will do the next right thing. That's all you have to make effort for. And then it says, those old bad habits will just start to fall off. You don't have to try to change them. You don't have to try to change people, try to change circumstances. None of that even matters because new spiritual qualities like love and joy and peace and life will start to naturally grow from the inside out, just like apples naturally grow from the inside out on a healthy apple tree. Do you see how simple it really is? So here's what I want to leave you with. You know, if you just been checking out faith, what's stopping you from starting this new relationship with God in 2022? Not only does he want to adopt you and love you, he wants to bless you in all kinds of ways. But he doesn't force his way in. You got to give him permission. You got to just say, I want what Jesus did to count for me. Come into my life and lead and guide me. And that begins this, this relationship that you learn to grow and walk in. And for all of us, I want to encourage you. When despair creeps in in 2022, I want you to say, hope is my birthright. I can have hope. When chaos or fighting start to flare up around you and, and you're, you're getting sucked into it, I want you to say, peace is my birthright. I can have peace even in these circumstances. 
And when discouragement starts to weigh you down in 2022, I want you to say joy is my birthright. I can have joy even through it all. That's my prayer for you in 2022. I'm going to turn it over to the campus pastors now. Let me pray for us here at North. God, as we head into this new year, thank you for new hope. It comes every day, every morning that we make ourselves available to you. God, you never intended us to live separated from you. And so Lord, as we head into 2022, we wanna be people who live more in step with your spirit. Thank you that you are not the kind of God that overpowers but waits for our willingness to give us a power that works differently than the way power works in this world. A power to grow love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, patience, self-control. From the inside out, even when we feel weak, we want to trust in you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.